I am pulling out an episode, a previously unreleased one from the vault for you guys today. This is one that I recorded last year with my former co-host Gwen of the blog FieryMillennials.com. Gwen was with me when I launched the podcast, but she left last year so she could pursue a life of, of pursuing financial independence, but free of the distraction of digital side hustles. So we all miss Gwen dearly around here, but I completely understand and support her. Now, this episode is with Danielle of Boomer Benefits, and it's a topic that's a little bit outside of our realm of knowledge. So this is one that we wanted to have a discussion about because a lot of us have parents that are aging and they need information on healthcare. They may need our help with financial decisions regarding healthcare. So we go into that with a U.S. lens in this discussion today. We talk a little bit about signing up for Medicare, what it covers, what it doesn't, and I was surprised to hear some of this, honestly. And then we also talk a little bit about retirement homes and long-term care and a bunch of other things that we probably never wanted to think about, but it's important to start discussing. Now, I know there are a large chunk of you who are not in the U.S., and this one is U.S.-focused, but we promise to continue to have an international lens to this podcast, and I'm so encouraged by the numbers of those of you who are downloading who are outside the U.S. This is awesome, and I love that this is a global movement. All right, so let's kick it off to Danielle, and let's throw back to 2019 when we recorded this episode. Welcome to Fire Drill Podcast, where side hustles, savings, and creativity lead to financial independence with your host, Jay from Millennial Boss. Hey, Danielle, welcome to the show. Hi there. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. And I've got my trusty co-host, Jay, with me. What's up, Jay? Hey, hey. So, Danielle, can you give a quick, like, 90-second rundown on who you are and what you do? Sure, you bet. So, I am Danielle Roberts. I am the co-founder of Boomer Benefits. We are a licensed insurance agency that helps baby boomers as they age into Medicare to learn about all their government benefits and select suitable supplemental coverage. And that involves, of course, a lot of discussion about what Medicare costs and covers and what you need to prepare for in terms of the cost of health care and retirement. We advise people across the nation in 47 states um, on making that transition from being covered on employer group health insurance where all your life, your HR department has made your plan selections for you, and now you're aging into what is really a national federal health insurance program that you've never been part of before that has four parts and 10 supplements and hundreds of drug plan options and is really super confusing. So my brother and I have built a business that helps people with that transition and then selecting coverage so that when they go in the hospital, they're not freaking out about what kind of deductible they're going to have to pay or what bills they're going to face when they get home from that experience. So Jay and I are two millennials and we decided to have you on because we thought it was relevant, but can you explain to us and our audience why we should be talking about Medicare now when we're in our 20s or early 30s, um, as opposed to the people who typically talk about Medicare who are, you know, in their 50s or 60s. Yeah, you bet. And I love the opportunity to come on a show like yours because part of the thing that I have noticed over 14 years running this agency is that the public at large seems to assume that Medicare is free and that it covers 100% of their costs. And I think that 
because Medicare is a national health insurance program, people tend to think of that as what they have in Britain or what they have in Canada. And there's this assumption that when you get to retirement age, you should work with your financial planner on being able to, you know, pay for rent and groceries and utilities and travel. But healthcare is a piece that a lot of people leave out. And so I've often said that I wish there was a class earlier in life that that the government offered to people to go when they're 40 or 50 to learn about what their future healthcare costs will really be so that they can be better prepared. People who are in the millennial generation not only will um, possibly pay have all the same expenses for Medicare at age 65 as we do now, but they'll also be responsible for a lot of the legislation that may change how Medicare is structured, especially in the upcoming elections. There's going to be a lot of talk around this. Um, there's ideas out there like Medicare at 50 and Medicare for all. And I like to spread the word to people to let them know that the average cost of healthcare in retirement is estimated to be $280,000 for your average couple. And a big piece of that is paying not only for the Medicare premiums uh, themselves, but the supplemental insurance that people need to cover deductibles and co-insurance and co-pays, um, just like you have now on your current insurance. You would need to be prepared for the fact that when you're living on a fixed income and you retire from your job and now you go on Medicare, a piece of that social security check is going to be eaten up by the cost for Medicare. Medicare is not free and a portion of that will go to pay for your health insurance benefits for as long as you remain on Medicare. So it's really important for people to be aware of that piece and even do some planning with their financial planners now so that they're saving enough money to prepare for that piece of retirement and just being aware that it's not going to be something fully covered and you need to be setting aside a piece of money now that you'll have available for that at the time that you retire. Yeah. And that's news to me, honestly, like I've always heard, you know, Oh, wait until you're old enough for Medicare and then all your health insurance problems are solved and everything's going to be great. And you can get that hip replacement that you need for free on the government. <laughs> Woohoo. Good job. But yeah. obviously that's not the case. It's really not. And I think another thing that um, affects that is when you're working and you get your pay stub from your employer every couple of weeks, you can look on there and you'll see, hey, there's a FICA tax that goes out and it's for Medicare and Social Security. And so there's this tendency to just assume that because you're paying those taxes that when you get to age 65, it's all going to be covered. And that tax does go to pay for your future hospital benefits. So those taxes, if you've worked for at least 10 years or 40 quarters in your lifetime, or if you're married to someone who has that when you turn 65 and join Medicare, you won't pay for Part A hospital benefits. Those are considered paid up. But for the outpatient benefits and drug benefits, there's significant premiums that you pay. There's a base premium currently people turning 65 pay $135.50 a month for their Part B benefits, which is your outpatient coverage. And then you also pay a premium for your drug coverage and any supplemental coverage that you want to have to cover um, those deductibles and things that I mentioned earlier. So that little chunk of change um, goes up a little bit every year because healthcare, of course, has inflation just like anything else. And the forecasting necessary to make sure that you prepare for that is something that you can do now in your young years, um, putting that money away while you have time for that to compound and grow will really help you because it's devastating for us to see people come in who are facing their golden years and they're really looking forward to retirement and they've been planning this for a long time. And now they find out that 
uh, 10% of their social security check is going to be gone right off the bat just to pay for their health insurance, let alone the supplemental and drug coverage that they need to add. And I've actually seen scores of people over the years that meet with us, learn what those costs are going to be, and then decide to work for a few more years because they hadn't adequately prepared for that piece. Um, I've seen it many times. So the opportunity to spread the word to the younger generations is great because you still have the time to put away some of that money now so that you won't be facing that financial stress when it's your time to go on Medicare. Do you have any stats that help quantify how big this problem is? So what I understand what you're saying is that too many people assume that Medicare will cover all of their expenses so they don't save and then they're left out of pocket to cover the majority of what's not covered. Do you have any stats on yeah. like how bad that problem actually is? Yeah, I just wrote a blog post recently and one of the polls that I had in there, and I think it was trying to remember, it was the National Retirement Association or some kind of group like that that did this major poll. And it was something like 49% of people that took the poll had no idea that Medicare cost money. And that's surprising to me because it is, you would think that this would be common knowledge, but really in our younger years, we're not thinking about that. We're thinking about kids that we've got to put through college and mortgages that we need to pay. And if we have a little bit of money to retire for ourselves, put away for retirement, that's great. Um, and that's how come they get to this place where they're completely unaware that this stuff costs money. And it is a, it's a major problem. I actually get emails from clients all the time that that say, wow, you know, people need to spread the word on this. I was appalled to find out that this much of my social security check is going to go away toward Medicare. What happened to the money that I already paid in? And so uh, that perception out there is something that's really tough to beat. And it takes a, a lot of effort from organizations like ours and also from the federal government just to get that word out there so that people can better prepare. So right now I'm, I'm looking and it's saying there's Medicare and Medicare Advantage and they're saying Medicare mm -hmm. doesn't pay for eye exams or routine dental cleanings or all these things that you would think that it's very important for elderly people to have covered, but Medicare Advantage does. Can you explain what the difference is between Medicare and Medicare Advantage? Sure. So when you turn 65 and you, you age into Medicare, you have this, an initial election period where you can choose either to stay with original Medicare to where your bills go to the federal government and you can add on um, a Medicare supplement or a Medigap plan that helps to pay for the pieces that Medicare doesn't. So your average person on Medicare coming in with just original Medicare benefits, parts A and B, about 80% of their costs are going to be covered by Medicare and the other 20% they're going to owe out of pocket and there's no cap on that 20%. So the piece that the kind of insurance that you and I have now, we've got a deductible, but then there's an out-of-pocket maximum that protects us from spending beyond a certain amount each year. And Medicare doesn't have that. So if you get your benefits from original Medicare, typically you're going to be adding on supplemental and drug coverage to meet that piece. And if you do that kind of coverage, you can see any doctor in the nation that accepts Medicare, which is about 90% of all physicians. You don't have to get a referral from a primary care doctor. You can have freedom of access. It's great for people who travel or who snow bird because you can use your benefits in Kansas the same way you can in Tennessee. And so that type of coverage has been around since the 60s. When Medicare was first signed into law in 1965, right away, insurance companies designed these 
products called Medigap or Medicare supplements to fill in those gaps. And then in 2006, they added Part D, which is drug coverage. So one thing that's really surprising to a lot of people is that for over 40 years, Medicare did not include prescription coverage. So you would turn 65 back in 2005, I would have clients, you know, people with diabetes spending $10,000 a year out of pocket on their drugs. Well, now with the Medicare Modernization Act, you can add on a drug plan that will help you with those prescription costs. So that's one route you can go, your original Medicare benefits, a Medigap plan and a drug plan. And then they also rolled out uh, with the Balanced Budget Act, the Medicare Advantage program. So this is where you can sign up with a private insurance company, all the major carriers that you're used to dealing with in under 65 health insurance. Most of those also offer Medicare Advantage plans in the 65 plus market. So you can enroll in this and that company will deliver your Medicare Part A and B benefits. All the same services have to be covered, but you get those benefits from a private insurance company. So instead of having all of Medicare and all of the doctors in the nation that you could choose from, this Medicare Advantage company might be only statewide, or it could even be just in a couple of counties in your local urban area. Like we've got a bunch here in Dallas-Fort Worth that you know, cover doctors and hospitals just within a few counties that are here around the DFW area. So you have a lot smaller uh, group. It's a network. And these will typically be HMO or PPO networks. So very similar to employer group health insurance that you have now, where you have an HMO, you pick a primary care doctor, you've got to get a referral to see a specialist. You don't have coverage outside the network unless it's an emergency in most cases, or you could choose a PPO which is uh, going to be a little more flexible. You can see doctors outside the network, but you're going to pay more to do that. And these plans are very, um, man, there's tons of them. Like in just in the DFW area, there are literally scores and scores of them to choose from. And so some of the reasons that people might like an Advantage plan are going to be that they may offer very low co-pays to go in and see a doctor. The premiums are going to be significantly lower than Medigap plans. Uh, your premiums are lower upfront, and then you kind of pay for your healthcare services in the form of co-pays as you go along. And this, of course, appeals to lots of groups of people. Maybe it would appeal to people who have a uh, lower income and can't afford a Medigap plan, or perhaps people who are really healthy and just don't want to spend, you know, $100, $200 a month on a Medigap plan, they can enroll in an Advantage plan in their local area, and the premiums could be as low as zero all the way to, you know, $100 plus just depending on the benefits within that Advantage plan. But one of the things that Advantage plans can offer that original Medicare does not are ancillary benefits. And so this would include things like preventive dental through a dental network that they contract with. It might include eye exams um, or even a credit toward eyeglasses or contacts. It can include hearing exams and credits toward hearing aids or ability to buy hearing aids from a certain vendor at a, a copay. At, far less than the thousands that you would pay if you didn't have coverage. And then last year in 2018, they also passed where these plans can now offer supplemental home support services. So almost a little bit of a long-term care benefit where they may include um, some benefits for adult daycare services or for meal delivery or transportations to and from doctor appointments for people who have chronic illnesses 
custodial support in your home so that someone can come in and help you with the activities of daily living, like bathing, dressing, toileting, transferring from one room to another. This is something that Advantage plans will now be able to also incorporate into their benefits. And so we see these things make these plans very popular and about 35% of all people on Medicare choose to get their benefits through an Advantage plan. And those extra benefits that you mentioned there are some of the reasons why they're very popular. So the Part D prescription drug plan, as well as the Medigap coverage, those are two things that the AARP is warning seniors about not getting scammed. So how do people know whether what they're signing up for is what they need or not? Yeah, this is a really great point. So a lot of times when you have these types of products, you're always going to have some agents out there that might not be scrupulous. You know, they may come in and tell you about a plan that seems really great. Uh, let's say they're pitching you a Medicare Advantage plan and they're telling you, yeah, it's a zero premium and all your doctors are in the network and all your medications are covered. People need to do research on their own. You want to make sure that, first of all, you're working with an agent that is licensed and appointed to do business in your state. Um, you want to read up on your own ahead of time about how Medicare Advantage plans operate. If you're looking into an Advantage plan, you want to check the network, make sure that your doctors appear on the network directory, and you can double check that. This is something we do for our policyholders here. Um, after we see that their doctor appears in the network directory, we also call the doctor's office and confirm, hey, do you participate in this particular HMO or PPO plan to make sure that people aren't enrolling into a plan and then come to find out in January, they can't access the doctors that they wanna see. And this has been a problem really ever since Medicare Advantage plans first came into being because once you enroll in an Advantage plan, you're typically locked into that for the calendar year. And you wanna make sure that you're joining a plan that you're not gonna find out, oops, it doesn't cover my $400 medication. And you don't wanna find that out in January after you've been locked in. So when you're doing your research and you're getting quotes and you're reviewing summary of benefits, some of the things that you can do to help yourself out is double check the information that you've been given. Make sure that you do find your doctor appearing in the directory that when you ask your doctor's office, he or she confirms that they participate. Um, all Advantage plans, if the Advantage plan includes a Part D drug plan, which many do, that packet of information that you get at enrollment time will have a formulary there, and you can look through that and make sure that you see that the medications you need are listed in the formulary, because every formulary will be different, and you don't want to enroll in a plan that doesn't have that drug plan on there. I also encourage uh, people to not do just research on their own. Uh, if you work, if you go online and you're working with a broker, you should be able to go to that broker's website and read reviews from other clients and policyholders that you want to see that they are someone that responds to questions. They're not someone that just signs you up and disappears. So it's important that people sort of take charge of their own health care and do the research necessary before choosing a plan so that they don't end up being someone that gets enrolled into something that then they turn around and find out is really not going to work for them. So, a lot to consider, isn't it? Yeah, that's <laughs> a lot to digest there. Uh, this is probably an episode that I'm going to go have to go back and listen to multiple times <laughs> to really wrap my brain around it. Yeah. Because I just don't think that I can absorb all of this in one sitting. <laughs> yes. So um, obviously, like we said, this is, you know, 40 some odd 
years away from us. So what can we do to set ourselves up now for success when we need to start looking into getting Medicare? Yeah. So one of the things that I really like to tell people, and a lot of times people learn this when they're helping their parents, right? So a lot of millennials will deal with this far sooner than their own need for Medicare because when their baby boomer parents are turning 65, they're helping them with some of these choices. But some of the things that I've seen that people do to prepare the best, are, um, my favorite vehicle for saving for healthcare expenses is a health savings account. So if you work for an employer and they offer you healthcare options, a lot of times your employer will offer you a couple of choices. Maybe you're choosing between one deductible or another, or maybe there's an HMO or a PPO, but a lot of employers today have a network plan and also an option for a high deductible plan that is HSA compatible. So if you're enrolled in the right type of high deductible health insurance plan through either your employer or through the healthcare exchange, you can open up a health savings account um, either online or through your local bank and this allows you to contribute money throughout your working years. It's a top of the line write-off. Any money that you contribute into your health savings account is money that you keep forever. It rolls over, it uh, compounds, it earns interest, and it's money that then when you turn 65 is sitting there waiting for you and you can use it for medical expenses. Now, you can also use your healthcare expenses along the way. So money that you put into your HSA account now, if you go and you have a doctor appointment next month or next year, you can use the money that you've put into this account. And as long as you're pulling money out for qualified health expenses, then you never pay any tax on that money. It goes into the account and out of the account tax-free. And people who are savvy on this will max out that contribution over a period of years or decades. So I have an HSA myself. I've had it open since the late 90s. Um, back then I wasn't able to max it out, but over the years I've really worked on growing my contribution. And now every year I contribute the maximum amount. And that money is earning interest and growing and compounding. And although I take a little bit out here and there for uh, qualified health expenses, medical expenses, deductibles, co-pays, co-insurance, dental, vision, hearing expenses, those are also all qualified expenses. A lot of that money is never touched, and so it's just rolling over and growing. Well, when you turn 55, you're allowed to put in an extra $1,000 a year as a catch-up contribution. And so one of the things I'm now seeing is some of these folks that are very well prepared and they age into Medicare at age 65, they've got $50,000 sitting in their HSA account that they've built up over the years. And now they can use this money to pay for their Medicare premiums and to pay for some of those things that Medicare doesn't cover, like the dental, vision, and hearing. And that is uh, also a separate pool of money. So I tend to see that people who've, who've done this, they think of that money as their healthcare money for retirement and they don't touch it. Uh, in terms of other types of things. It's not the kind of thing that you go and pull a loan out from. Uh, people are really good at compartmentalizing that HSA account in their minds, and they walk into then Medicare fully prepared so that whatever things may come their way, they've got that money sitting there and waiting, and they'll be able to spend that money down as long as that account is open and there's money in it, they'll be able to use that money even long after they're no longer contributing into it. And so it's a really great way if you have an opportunity to sign up for one now while you're younger to begin putting away money for your future healthcare expenses. And it's such a relief then to age into Medicare and it doesn't matter that you've got a premium that you've got to pay because you've got this money set aside that you've been saving your whole life preparing for this. 
I love that. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the HSA. So the limit in 2019 is 3500 for self and 7000 for the family contribution limit. And it adds up. I think many people in this community, their HSA balances will be way more than 50000 um, One thing that we love about it is that it's triple tax advantaged. So the money going in, if you contribute directly from your um, employer's paycheck, it is not taxed, and then it grows tax-free. And then when you pull it out, it can be removed tax-free. So that's really nice. And there's, I don't think there's any other investment vehicle that gives you that triple tax advantage. Yeah, that's right. And that's a really great point too. When you turn 65, you can pull that money back out, even if you don't pull it out for medical expenses and you would just pay ordinary tax on it. There's no penalty. So somebody who's a really good saver and especially people in this community, community where you're financially wise and learning uh, through podcasts like this one all the time, you could walk into retirement and have a hundred grand in there and you don't, you may not need that much. So you could pull $10,000 out and just pay ordinary tax on it and use that for something else in your life. And there's no penalty for that, which is just a really great uh, little benefit that you don't find in other investment vehicles. Definitely. And we've mentioned this before, but the high deductible plan that comes with the HA is not, HSA is not always the best choice for everyone. So you have to look at all the plans available to you and make sure that you can pay the out-of-pocket, that whatever your family's particular health needs are, that it makes sense to go with the high deductible because you don't want to think that you're saving this money in the long term, but then actually every year you're costing yourself money by choosing this option. Certainly. There's going to be certain people that it works for really well. If you've got somebody that has a chronic health condition and they have a lot of usage, you know, maybe a plan that has co-pays is going to be better for them than one that's just a high deductible where you're having to pay, you know, full price up until the deductible is met to see a doctor. So you should look at your own usage within your family. And this type of plan makes a lot of sense for somebody that might go to the doctor a few times a year. But if you've, uh, you know, if you've got four kids and there's lots of doctor's appointments and things going on, you want to kind of compare the numbers and see if it's going to make sense uh, to have that kind of deductible. And it may be something that isn't a good sense for you now, but once the kids are grown and you're not having so many ordinary runabout doctor appointments, maybe it's something you could add in or a plan for yourself later in between kids growing up and you aging into Medicare, there's going to be some years there, or maybe at that point in your life, it would make a better fit. Totally. I probably did this one year too early because I started doing the HSA and the high deductible when I was young, relatively healthy. I mean, I, I had no, besides my annual checkup, I had nothing else I was going to the doctor for. But I was still paying off debt and I was aggressively paying off debt. So I would take my entire paycheck and just like leave nothing left and just move it towards the student loans. So then I ended up getting my appendix out and I owed the entire uh. out of pocket. And I was like, oh, God. And I made it work, <laughs> but it was like probably a little too early to do that. So even if you're yeah. super healthy, where are you in your financial journey? That could probably, um, could you cover the out of pocket cost easily or not? Yeah, that's right. And I think the I think this year your deductible has to be at least 1350 for a plan to qualify as high deductible health plan. So whenever you're signing up for the plan, you look at the deductible and you want to ask yourself, if I have an accident or an injury or an illness this year that causes me to hit that deductible, am I am I going to be able to, will I have the money to pay for that um, in this first year or two up until you've got some money accumulated in your HSA account. That first year or two while you're still saving, if that deductible is 6000 and you don't have that money set aside somewhere else to pull from, you may want to wait. Yeah, totally. And the out-of-pocket maximum too, because 
Yes. How my plans have typically worked is that you pay up to the deductible and then you pay a percentage up to the out-of-pocket maximum. And Correct. when you have like a $30,000 appendix surgery, you hit the whole thing. <laughs> so um, it was totally fine. And I'm obviously glad that my organ, that was whatever happened to it, was removed. So um, all good. But heads up, don't like rush into this thing. Yeah, you bet. That's great advice. Yeah. So from somebody on the other side who did manage to squirrel away some money in my HSA, I have just about $10,000 in an HSA account right now. And if I don't add anything to it, I don't touch it for the next 35 years. Um, with 7% interest, that's going to be $115,000 set aside directly for healthcare. That's awesome. See how it works? That is just amazing. I wish that people would know about it sooner because of that, just that time horizon is so huge in that compounding interest. Gwen, if you don't want to reveal this, that's fine. But what do you invest the money in, in the HSA? Uh, I think all of it is invested in some sort of um, plain Jane S&P index fund tracker of some kind. I don't exactly remember what it is because I know it's not BTSAX. So something that just follows the broader market as a whole. Okay, so some type of index fund. Yeah, the reason I'm asking, I started getting a little funky in the past two years because I realized if I want to buy an individual stock, maybe I should buy it in this account. Maybe that's a terrible idea because this is the money <laughs> set aside for my health. But if I don't have to pay taxes on it and these type of stocks, you know, they could fluctuate wildly, perhaps that is the right move. But I don't know. I haven't heard anyone else do this, so I'm afraid to say that I'm doing this. Maybe yeah, it's a terrible I think idea. I think it's a good idea the first couple of years to keep it in cash, keep it liquid until you've got enough in there. Like, for example, let's say your high deductible health plan has a $3,000 deductible. You want to keep about that much liquid um, so that if something happens, you don't have to go and sell stock to meet meet your um, expenses for that deductible, or you've got to have money somewhere else that you can pull that from. But once you've go past that amount and you've got enough cash in there to cover the deductible, investing it in an index fund like that is very wise because it's going to be something that's not too risky. You're not gambling away your future healthcare dollars, but is going to earn a you know steady interest rate. Uh, that that is, I think, a great choice. Danielle, was there anything else that you want to point out to our listeners regarding Medicare and either helping their aging parents or preparing for their future retirement? Anything you want to mention that you think we didn't mention? Um, I think it's important to educate yourself on the things in retirement that Medicare doesn't cover. So today we mentioned um, the dental, vision, and hearing type of expenses. Obviously, things like cosmetic, those, that, those are not covered. But a couple of other things um, that are super important are going to be your long-term care. So Medicare does not pay for any type of assisted living or nursing home. And this is another thing that people sometimes don't realize. So uh, when you age into Medicare and you're healthy, you may not be thinking about this. You've just got your expenses for the medical part. But someday when you reach a point, and I think statistically one out of every two people will someday need this type of care, there may come a point in your future where you don't, you're not able to do activities of daily living on your own anymore. You need help to either remain independent in your own home 
or you may need to move into some sort of care facility, Medicare is not going to pay for that. Now, Medicare will cover all of your health care needs while you're living in that facility, but they're not going to pay for the cost of the facility itself. And so this is something that you can prepare for by buying long-term care insurance. Um, that's something I've purchased out of my own pocket for my parents because I have seen the devastating expenses that people sometimes get hit with over the years. So you could do that. Or you just want to have enough money saved up because when when you don't have anything, you're forced into a situation where you've got to do a Medicaid spend down, where you're spending your all of your assets and income has to go down below a certain level, and then you get your expenses paid for by Medicaid. But that's going to give you a semi-private room. You're not selecting your own facility. This is something the government's doing for you. And nobody really wants to be in that position when you finally pass away they can come back and take any assets that you may have planned to leave to your children uh, to pay for the long-term care that this government provided you while you were on medicaid so another thing that you want to be saving up for is long-term care expenses if you may need them and if you don't think that saving for them is realistic the younger that you buy a long-term care insurance policy, the cheaper that policy will be. And so that's another piece that everybody should just kind of be aware of in your retirement planning. And that's a great point because right now my Nana is going through all of that with a long-term care facility and seeing how expensive they are. I think maybe hers is 5000 a month or something. Or maybe it might yeah. be 6000 It's crazy. And They're super expensive. They do not, they don't help. I mean, she's in her 90s. They don't help you with like bathing or showering. You have to pay extra for that. <laughs> I can't believe that. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I had a girlfriend and both of her parents were a long-term care facility and it cost her over $8,000 a month. And so fortunately her parents had had a nest egg of money set aside, but she had spent that entire, she'd spent that whole thing down and they actually ran out of money um, in the last year before they passed away. And she had negotiated ahead of time that, hey, I've got this much money what happens if we run out and the care facility worked with them to say, if you run out of money, then at that point, we'll just take their social security checks, which I thought was actually really nice that they were able to work that out. And they did exhaust that entire funding. And I know those last that some months of that last year before they passed away, they were uh, that that money was gone and that's, it's just devastatingly expensive. So um, yeah, you need to be prepared for that. That's a pretty heavy cost and you want to know what you're going to do if that needs to be something that you'll look and do someday, especially if you don't have any adult children, your your needs for that care maybe come sooner for you. So all parts of planning that you should speak about with your financial planner. Yeah. And there's a lot of weirdness too regarding um, like legacies, for example. So I, I remember when I was hearing about my Nana situation, she ended up selling her home and then use the funds from the home. That's going to help fund her um, staying in this place. But like she, yeah. obviously there's a certain amount of time where it will run out if she continues. That's her only source. Now, some people, they put their their home into like a trust to protect it as a legacy for their children. And then they use like Medicare, I believe, or some other thing that pays for their thing. But you can't get as maybe as nice of a long-term care facility, quote unquote, if you go that route. And also it's kind of like, isn't it more important to pay for your own health than leave a legacy, I guess? I'm not expecting a legacy, so I have my own personal take on it. I don't want to go down this road in this episode necessarily, but there's so much with like elder care and these issues yeah. that I don't think I quite understand that probably needs to be explored. 
Yeah, and it's a good idea to talk through like with an elder law attorney because they can explain what all those options will be. And so if you've got parents and they're, you know, coming upon a Medicare age and you're going to be learning this stuff about Medicare for them, this is also a great time to sit down with an estate planning attorney or an elder law attorney and talk about all of those things so you can get a better understanding of how that would work. Gwen, do you have any experience on your side with this? Uh, I come from a fairly poor lineage and uh, I've watched my family members go through care in long-term facilities. Mm -hmm. And um, I can tell you that some of the basic ones that are just like the basics covered, not so great and still really expensive. Yes. So uh, I'm definitely incentivized to start saving for my own care. Um, Although we're also not going to get into assisted suicide in this episode. But um, I'm not discounting that as an option. But um, oh my god, Gwen, you've been doing this the last couple episodes. <laughs> At the end of the episode, you just throw like this zinger. <laughs> okay, fine, we'll cut that out. Steve. No, no, don't cut it out. Leave it in. Leave it in. People have to know what the real Gwen. <laughs> um. So I I think that uh, it is very important to to save up for the future, even if it is 40 years away or more, because uh, things are expensive and. Um, you can run out of money and be in an unfortunate situation really fast and not be able to do much about it at that point. Yeah, that's right. So it's all part of the same conversation of planning ahead, you know, and that's the best thing you can do for yourself on all fronts. Consider the possibilities and make a plan now while you've still got time and you're able-bodied and you can get a side hustle or you can put away, you can save. Uh, This is a time of your life to be having those conversations. And hopefully you're lucky enough to be one of the people someday that lives into your ripe old age and takes benefit of some of these services. You know, it's it's a good thing to be, you, you never know how long you might be alive and healthy and there could come a point where you're perfectly of sound mind but your body fails you and you're going to need these things and uh, making a plan now is just going to make that so much easier on yourself and your family at that time agreed well danielle thank you for coming on if people want to learn more about your company and you where can they find you You bet. We're super easy to find boomerbenefits.com and pretty much any social media that you can imagine are at Boomer Benefits. We've got a YouTube channel and a Facebook page. So if any of your listeners have questions about this stuff, uh, feel free to reach out and we'd be happy to answer your questions. Sounds good. And to let everyone know, this is not a sponsored episode. We just wanted to talk about Medicare and boomers since we haven't yet. So uh, (laughs) yeah, letting you know about that. All right. Last question. Gwen, I'll let you ask it. Okay, so I'm particularly interested to figure out what your answer is going to be. Um, Danielle, what is your wildest dream? If you could have anything, do anything, any possibility, what would it be? Wow, this is a crazy one. Hmm. I have to say, you know what? Right now, having gone through several travel nightmares lately after they grounded all those 737s and the business travel that we do, I have had some horrible experiences. Um, in airports. So I think my dream recently is a private jet. (laughs) If I've got to be flying around uh, and spending the night in an airport, then yeah, if I had any fantasy come true, I'd like to have my own little six passenger jet. (laughs) All right. I love that. Danielle, thank you again for coming on. Hey, I had a great time, guys. Thank you so much.